Hello, I'm Thomas Carruthers. I'm Will Legator. And today we have a return guest for the th uh, th uh, third time. Yeah, third time's the charm. Yeah. We need to start tallying who's guested most. Well, our and most it, loyal guests. And it can be like Alec Baldwin and Steve get, Martin when they fight. If we get the 10th stamp, do I get something for free? Uh, I'd say you get to pick a film, but... But no, because we do that. <laughs> but also, you're not one of those that you don't like. <laughs> you're on the reason, that's the reason why yeah. you're here. Um, yeah, no, I'll do that. That's just another little job. We, we might have merch by then, though. You can get like a free, a free hat. Free. I do love a hat. I I don't know where I sit on hats. I um, you, you put them on the head, surely. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. I'm proud of that one. Fedora, sure. I've got um, Fedora. Baseball caps have never really done it for me. Uh, you I know, wore one in Little Shop. Well, we're not so you lost costume. it. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your cap, you lost your glasses. Yeah. It was just traumatic week. You just lost them full stop oh, and then Seymour suddenly was glasses. I, I still swear to this day that um, someone stole my glasses in an attempt to sabotage my uh, my performance. Well, we do we do love the uh, dentist uniform sabotage. That was um, <laughs> hilarious. Go on, tell me. This is a this sounds like a fun anecdote. So, in supper time, Mister Mushnick is supposed to get out the dentist uniform as like evidence when he's trying to sort of interrogate Seymour and get him to go to the police. Mm. And it's supposed to be in the bin that was down right. And I checked with the ASM before the start of that too. I was like, is it in there? And they're like, yeah, 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 it's in there. Why, why would I not put it in there? Which, of course, they hadn't done. So I, I was like, uh, then how do you explain this? A dentist uniform. I took the lid off the bin. I was like, right. <laughs> I just picked up the whole bin and showed Will the inside, <laughs> which was very, very empty. I could have been very mean and said, there's nothing in there, Mr. Mushnick. And, but that would have been great because we love... What, why would you have done that to yourself? It's very. <laughs> it's true. You would have also had to dig yourself out of that situation. Yeah. But I, I enjoy co complex improv. Yeah. Will's yeah. one rule. Will's uh, wrote a whole book about improv, and his one rule is uh, just say no. <laughs> it's like no. It's not yes and. It's no and. Now you say something. Reject, uh, <laughs> not accept. Well, speaking of glasses, fest, I did feed some glasses, didn't I, during Footloose, Will? Because I was finalising my costume, which, yes. might I say, was pretty lovely. It was great. It was a lovely ensemble. I was very jealous of your costume. I had to wear, like, cool dude leather jackets and stuff. <laughs> and also, really by in, you, there was the very funny scene where... So obviously the whole show I wore these brown shoes and I never removed my trousers. I always had the same trousers on, but sometimes I changed my shirt or my jumper or whatever. And so there was a scene where I had to go outside um, and he was in his pyjamas and dressing gown, but he still had his brown shoes on because I couldn't be bothered to take them off and on. So I, he was fully... Um, but somebody said, oh, try these glasses. And then the glasses were, were marvellous, weren't they? You want to know a fun story, Tom? Sure. I then took those glasses to uni with me. 
Yes, you did. I don't have them anymore. Uh, and I lost them during the performance of Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a circle of life, eh? How did you end up with them? Was that, was that did I use them in Hitler Carol? I think they were just in the cupboard, um, the costume no, cupboard. I and had I had them. Oh, in my room. I, I'm sure I must have picked them up somewhere and thought these would be great at uni. Yeah, in my like... room. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough about theft and petty larceny. Actually, let's stick with this. So these were all tales of, you know, stage productions and at mm. universities and colleges. So Nathan, why don't you tell us what today's film is and why you're here? Yes, so today's film is the 1967 classic, The Graduate. Darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Listen, everybody, I want you all to be quiet I've got Ben's college yearbook here And I just want to read you some of the wonderful things about Ben Hey, there's the award-winning scholar We're all very proud of you, Ben How are you, track star? What are you going to do now? I was going to go upstairs for a minute oh, I meant with your future Your life Well, that's a little hard to say Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me <laughs> Aren't you? Have you gotten us a room yet? I haven't, no. Do you want to? I'll get undressed now, is that all right? Sure. Shall I? I mean, shall I just stand here? I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Why don't you watch? Oh, sure, thank you. That's uh, not in Dustin Hoffman. But um, I was very fortunate enough to be in the play in my time at Sheffield University, uh, of the graduate, which was a great, great fun play to be in. It was the first ever play I've done, I think, properly. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, it was a good experience. Mm. And that's why I'm here today. Benjamin, are you having an affair with someone? <laughs> I do think you should know the consequences of what you've done. I, I do think you should know that my wife and I are getting a divorce soon. What happened between Mrs. Robinson and me was nothing. It didn't mean anything. Well, that's not saying much for my wife. The point is, I don't love your wife. I love your daughter, sir. Scarborough Fair. I want to ask you a question and then I'm going. From you? No. I want to know why you're here in Brooklyn. Is it because I'm here? Well, look, I love you. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Will you marry me? Are we getting married tomorrow? Why don't you just drag me off if you want to marry me so much? You can't stop me from seeing her, Mrs. Robinson. I'll find her. Sorry we won't be able to invite you to the wedding, Benjamin, but the arrangements have been so rushed. Oh, Jesus, God. No.
played and you played uh mr braddock benjamin's father because yep. um, i do love playing dad <laughs> i've played will's it... father figure and then his actual dad <laughs> i think i don't now? think we changed anything did we in adams from footloose we just played the same characters <laughs> More or less, yeah. I mean, mine yeah. had more light comedy in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I too was a Mal back in the day. Oh, yes, were you? You both, you yeah. both played, yeah, you both played Mal and you both played my father. Oh. <laughs> when, did we, when did you play, when did you play your father? When, when well, Mushnick is adopted father. So, sort of, sorry, oh, good father figure. Yeah. I thought he yeah. just worked there. No, there's a the whole adopted. song, the best, the best song in Mushnick the show. And son. It's so good they didn't put it in the film. <laughs> I know, I, I, I believe they did. So good they named it to us. Um, yeah, now The Graduate. Let's talk a little bit about Mike Nichols. This isn't our first Mike Nichols film. We have done Heartburn. We have done Postcards from the Edge. Uh, but this is his second uh, film. So Mike Nichols starts with Elaine May in their improv comedy troupe. Um, Nichols and May, and they're just sensational. They're just a smash hits. Everybody adores them. They sell out their Broadway theatre day after day and year after year. Eventually, Elaine May gets quite, not necessarily bored, she gets quite uh, desensitised to it all because she she feels as if she's milking, milking a dead horse, Jesus Christ. What's the trick? <laughs> Flogging a dead horse and milk, a dead horse, milking yeah. something that's barren or something. But because um, she doesn't like that she's getting claps and applause for nothing new. Now, you know, Mike Nichols was, he, however, was quite anxious about trying, not trying new things. They always tried new material. But he was like, well, no, these people are paying a lot of money. Why don't we just give them what is making them laugh night after night after night? So this led to the split of Nichols and May. They did work together again. They've never lost friendship. They worked together. Uh, she wrote the script for The Birdcage, one of my all-time favorite comedy films, um, with Robin Williams and Diane Weist and Gene Hackman and Nathan Lane and Calista Flockhart and uh, Christine Baranski and Hank Azaria. Uh, great, great film. But um, Nichols starts directing. And he directs the original Broadway production of Barefoot in the Park with Robert Redford. And he directs most of the early Neil Simon um, premieres. He does the original The Odd Couple. And Jack Warner picks him up and says, okay, you direct Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And spoilers, it's excellent. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Who's afraid, you know, to be candid, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is my favourite play. So maybe the film gets too, gets a, slight bias of how much I love it because of my love for the play, but I stand by that it's the best film adaptation of a play ever. Um, anyway, so his next film is The Graduate. And now it's from the Charles Webb book, uh, which have either of you read? No, I've not. No. I have read it. It's a startlingly faithful adaptation. Ooh. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit like reading the script, really. Uh, a lot of the dialogue is still present. There's obviously a lot more. Uh, but there's not long stretches of uh, descriptions and stuff as you get with the book. So it does kind of feel uh, like you're reading a script. And it's, it's easily read. It's, it's 
fly you can fly through it um so book uh, sorry calder willingham who gets a credit for screenplay but isn't actually the script that they end up using then it gets passed over to book henry who is in the film as the uh, the receptionist at the taft hotel um sneaky favorite best part really and him nichols I mean, we'll talk about some of the casting later in Fun Facts, but it's got a long story short. It's a classic. It wins five. It, uh, it win, No, sorry, Virginia Woolf won five Oscars. Uh, it wins Oscar. Nichols. Yeah, it wins yeah. Nichols' his directing Oscar. And it's just an all-round classic. It's in my top ten. I think it's number eight. I can't remember. Is it number eight? It's number eight. I've always adored it. It's, I mean, it's eminently rewatchable. I think it's one of the funniest films ever. I, it still makes me laugh to this day. I watched it again this morning, and I, you know, I laughed at all the old jokes. Just again, Will, what's your relationship with the graduate? I I love this film. Um, I'm going to have to play around with my rankings as well because I've forgotten how much I like the graduate. I've not watched it in yonks. Um, uh, it must, it must have been college. I watched it last because um, obviously um, I knew about it when they did it. Um, it was like Freshers Week, wasn't it? Uh, when I came up. That yeah, it was, was it was really early. It was week three. Yeah, I, I would have loved to be part of that. Uh, I came too late. Um, did you see it? No, I didn't. I should have. I should have gone to see the graduate. So, so, so. I'm friend. Some friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. It's and it's very funny. That that's the best thing about it. It's, it's one of those films where I do laugh out loud, and you don't expect it. I w- I was uh, going to the toilet. I was I was on a schedule or whatever. So I, and I checked um, how long was left. I sort of, I mean I knew sort of how long was left, but I wanted an exact, and it was. Um, they just had sex and um, for the first time. And I was so shocked that it had been 40 minutes. I, I, I think we can talk about, I, don't, I wouldn't change a thing really. I mean, I've got changes, but the structure and whatever, the, the pacing or whatever, when it comes to the Berkeley stuff, but that first 40 minutes is just unassailable. The seduction the sorry the party the seduction i mean we'll get into this in 10 minute stretch but the party the seduction and the first sex uh with mrs robinson even it's stretching into those um back-to-back montages of uh, you know the affair over the summer and then and then you're into the art scene and it, it's one of those films where every, you, you, next scene and next scene and you're like oh this is just non-stop brilliant yeah let's jump into youtube comments I am an Asian, and I found that the English conversation in old movies is much more easy to comprehend than now. Words are spoken in a more simple way. Exactly. It's a roundabout way to get to the point, but you look at these long two-hour and ten Judd Apatow, long improv, and and, uh, comedies, and all people say is, oh, you can tell that they're having a good time. And No, I want... I want a little bit of precision. Oh no, my two favorite comedies of all time are Airplane and Caddyshack, and they're sort of my two yeah. my two things. 
airplane and then the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Airplane is absolute precision. It's Caddyshack is death. everybody just high on coke and <laughs> yeah. throwing straight pages out and everybody's <laughs> drunk and mad and however the fact that it's six of the greatest comics of all time, one of the greatest comedy directors of all time, sort of incredibly brings it all together. But um, this is one of the most precise, brilliant comedies made. Um, Simon and Garfunkel brought me here. Let's talk about this now. This film obviously is scored by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. They did write two new songs for it, uh, Punky's Dilemma and Hazy Shade of Winter, which both appear on bookends. Um, but neither of them were used in the film. And I don't think either of them fit the film either. I agree with uh, Nichols or whoever made that uh, decision. Um, now, when we get to Oscar Travesty, you may go, why didn't it win? It didn't win because they were, you know, there were new songs. Um, sorry, there were, they weren't new songs. Uh, mm, yeah, Sound you, of Silence had been out for, for a few years now. You need a new one now, don't you? Like, uh, suddenly. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you can, yeah, <laughs> so whenever a musical, they write a new song to win an Oscar, and you either mm. get You Must Love Me, which yeah. is one of the better songs in Evita now, and they keep it in, or you yeah. get... Yeah, on the stage, but yeah. Suddenly, I've got a child on my lap, or whatever he says. Either way, it's terrible. Um, I should think it's, it's not that. Or they, or they put Minnie Driver to sing a song over the credits of Phantom of the Opera. It's like, love, love, <laughs> your everlasting love. They got, they got Taylor in for uh, Cats, yes, thinking they that they were bound to win an Oscar. Did, did they genuinely think that Cats was good? I just... Uh, I know, well, have you heard, um, I think it was released yesterday, because obviously Lloyd Webber at the minute, Andy, is um, writing Bad Cinderella. Uh, well, I think it's just called Cinderella. Cinderella. It's called yeah. Cinderella, but she's a bad Cinderella uh, with uh, with Carrie. Carrie um, and um, I, I, I really urge you to listen to it, people that are listening and you, Tom. Um, they've released like rehearsal footage of her singing the main song. It's like I'm a bad Cinderella, but it's all it's <laughs> Andrew tried to be hip hop, and it's really it's. Very bad. It's, it's as it's as good as the rest of his, his portfolio. Uh, yeah. Um, Nathan, you don't enjoy Phantom, do you? I don't enjoy. I don't really enjoy the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber, to be honest with you. Um, Evita. I, I, Evita is probably my my favourite. What about what half of Jesus I, Christ Superstar? Mm, <laughs> I honestly prefer Joseph. What? Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, I mean, everybody um, can have their own opinions, I guess. Yeah. Remember what we were saying about trying to get Nathan to 10 episodes? I think that's maybe his last. Hello, who is this? This is Dr. Smith's answering service. 
Is the doctor anywhere? Well, I'm afraid the doctor can't be reached right now. If you'd like to leave... I have to know where he is. Well, you see, the doctor is at his son's wedding, but I'm sure it's over by now. He should be checking in any moment. Listen to me. I'm Dr. Smith's brother, Reverend Smith, and I'm supposed to perform the ceremony. I just got in from Portland, and I've forgotten what church, you see? Oh, well, I'm not sure, but you might try the First Presbyterian. That's on Allen Street. Thank you. Alan where is it? Don't come back for the next one. <laughs> Don't call us. We'll call we'll you. <laughs> the last scene in the movie is just so realistic. Don't mm. touch <laughs> uh, Yes, it is. I mean, the famous story, as I say famous, it's famous between two people. Uh, my ex famously um, thought that they were just getting bored. And when I said, oh, it's just so beautiful and tragic, isn't it? How, you know, they've realized that their lives are never going to be the same and how maybe this fleet of fantasy is actually going to ruin their lives and she should have just gone with Carl and, you know, maybe they're definitely not right for each other. And she goes, oh, I thought they were just bored. I thought, no, they're going to be happy. So, I, and then that's a joke in 500 Days of Summer, isn't it? The re- they say it at the start, he goes, is deep... Uh, Miss Hald's um, ideals about true love came from an early misreading of the ending of The Graduate. And, um, yeah. So it is a... I, I didn't realise it was such a... Pol- not a polarising ending. A, um ambiguous ending. I always thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, it's what happens after any film if the camera kept rolling. You know, what would happen if the camera kept rolling on them. I can't think of a good example. Footloose. Yeah, they, Washed away. Oh. Yeah, they all, dance, they all dance at the Footloose party and then yeah. <laughs> the camera keeps rolling. Like what happens <laughs> What happens the day, like Groundhog Day, what is the next day? How do you, I, I, we'll talk about it on the Groundhog Day episode, but what are the psychological ramifications of going back into real life after having... <laughs> Like in the original script, they had they said they had title cards of day thousand and whatever, and I can't remember the exact, mm. but it was into the millions in the script. What are the psychological ramifications of that next day? I, I I mean, let's not get too depressing, but I just don't see a world where Phil Connors doesn't kill himself <laughs> in reality. I mean, he he already has, yeah, man. Yes, but now he now he can't come back. Um. I love yeah, this movie. I mean, oh, go on. I would say he can play the piano now. He can play the piano now, so everything's <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he bought that young couple their wrestling tickets. I love this movie. It's weird because I've seen this film a million times, but I've only started relating to Hoffman's character more recently. I am currently in my last year of university, and I still find the question, what are you going to do with the rest of your life, very daunting. I never know what to say other than I want to be a writer. The real question is how I am going to make it actually happen and be successful at the same time. That's from Thomas Carruthers. Let's hope hope it works out for him. (laughs) Tina. No, she's called Tina. Tina B. Tina, Tina, if you're out there. (laughs) Did Adam get inspired by this to make She Will Be Loved? Are any of you big Maroon Five people? Can you tell? Can you answer, Rebecca Hart? Um, I I know the song very well, but I um, don't know that it's necessarily 
I mean, the, the album's called Songs About Jane, not Songs About Elaine. So, hey. If it was Songs About Elaine, it'd be better. A lesson in delicacy and shrewdness, cinematic in dealing with a subject that was a taboo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Um, ten minutes, stretch. Nathan, why don't you kick us off as our guest? Um... There's a couple of, I don't, they're not 10 minutes, but um, the whole, yeah, seduction at the start, and the, you know, the, the sort of iconic line and the, the shot through the leg, all that sort of bit is just mm. absolutely classic. Um, so that's a really good stretch of the film. Um, the, um, do... uh, sorry, the, sedu- the famous line, the famous, you know, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, isn't what makes that line work. I think people forget that the button of aren't you is the yeah. is the gag yeah. that's the funny that, that that you get the payoff of that scene as well where he just apologizes straight after and he's scrabbling probably um at the end it's it's great that's the most disgusting thing i've ever said mrs robinson please fair fair um i mean i'm bancroft is astoundingly good in this film the i I've I recently wrote an essay about the greatest film performances of all time. And in talking about Miss, um, Anne Bancroft as Mrs. Robinson, my opening line is, I think people forget that this is more than a purely sex role. Nobody's going to argue that Anne Bancroft isn't sexy in this film. She's really sexy. She's really beautiful. She's great. And she perfectly works that seductive character of Mrs. Robinson. But... There's so much more to it. And that art mm. scene alone, I, I mm. put that up against anything for me oh, when it comes uh, to performance. Got, yeah. Um Nathan, your other nominations for Ten Minutes Trash. Uh, the hotel in general. Mm. Uh, particularly the bit of the reception is, is <laughs> yes. but, that's my favourite scene. But the, the in the bedroom as well is, is really interesting seeing yeah. sort of how nervous Ben is and, and is it his first time? No, he said. Oh, oh no, he says he's seen. No. He says, yeah. Whether he has, I don't know. I don't think he has. I think it's just it. There is a. I mean, it is a, a very strange thing to be doing. It, it mm. is a whole taboo subject. So that's probably why he's out of his depth, isn't he? Mm. I think he might be. Who's, he, who, who's Ben having sex with? He's a very anxious guy. There, there's obviously two, there's obviously the two trains, isn't there? There's, she probably knows that he has a fling with some college girl or whatever, but she's ta- she's taunting him and she's, you know, she's that wry little smile she has when, when he says, wait there, and she starts smiling. And you go, oh, this was a plan all along. She's mm. so conniving. And um, manipulative in this in this film, it's it's marvelous. We go on a set, and I did it with Catherine Rossley, quite beautiful uh, girl. Did you just wash your clothes? Yes. Sit down, please. Where, where did you wash them? And we rehearse, and Mike wants to do this. I learned later in a master shot. I couldn't have told you what a master shot was. 
but the camera was there and we're here and then we get on the bed and it comes over and around and then it comes over here and he wants to do 10 pages all in one take and moving the camera. So maybe he's just working out himself or he's trying to see, you know, can this guy who's basically just barely been on the stage, uh, can he do movies? Can he, you know, work under these conditions? It's not a few lines and then cut. Would you like the style? And both Catherine and I kept screwing up. We were both violently nervous. I haven't said I was going to marry you yet. I know that. But I think you will. And uh, Buck Henry, obviously, and Mike had worked on it. And they, you know, they wanted it word for word. And if we left one word out or they said, that's not a period, that's three dots. Um, any other, any other nominations, Nathan? I like, I like the scene with Mr. Robinson. Yeah, the best um, scene in the film. I've yeah. always said yeah. this. Yeah. Um, Murray Hamilton. Oh, people always say he's the mayor from Jaws. I always think of this scene instead. I always think of this yeah. scene. Uh, I mean, I say it's the best scene in the film. I, th I, th I think it's definitely my favourite scene in the film. Obviously, that first 40 minutes, but that's not a scene. That's, that's half of the film. Um, but <laughs> the the best, maybe the line that always creeps up on me and always makes me laugh is, I can see in the dark, you know, I've been here for quite a while. <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, do, 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 have I insulted you? Have I done something? Have I done something to you that has insulted you on a personal level? And um, and then also that he's still standing by his wife of like, well, you know, it was nothing more than just shaking hands and like, well, that doesn't say much about my wife now, does it? I, I think it's a re it's a scene that also you don't expect is going to happen. I mean, you're obviously swept up in the romance of it all in that Berkeley sequence. And you know that late, you know, there's going to be a confrontation scene of, you know, the parents trying to stop them, maybe. But you don't think he's, you know, he's whistling Mrs. Robinson, everything's great. And then he's sat there. And you don't think it's going to be that confrontational. And that also vulnerable on his behalf. Mm. Um, you know, I think you should know the ramifications of what you've done. We're, we're, we're planning to get a divorce. Um, do they get divorced after this film? No. No. Interesting. I think I agree. I think, yeah, no. Yeah. They don't get divorced. Like, that's just their life now. They think that... I mean, we've got bigger, Tom, big questions to get to about the end of this film, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, let's go back. Let's break down the receptionist scene. So we've got Book Henry... It's just great gag after great gag. It's the, great. So he's there, then, hello, are you here for an affair? What? And then he goes to the single man party. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, no, uh, Brad, Brad, no, not Bradworth. We've got him, Mr. Bradworth. And um, it's the one, it's uh, Bruno Anthony's mother from Strangers on a Train. Oh, Bruno, you are devilish. <laughs> and um, and he goes, no, 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 I'm, 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 not, I'm not here for your party. I don't get it. How did they do that in your play, uh, Nathan? How did they do this scene? 
So, I mean, it, the, that part wasn't really a part of it. It was literally just sort of the receptionist oh. and then they're sort of up to the room straight away, essentially. They're going in the elevator straight to the room. Hmm. Um, Here's a question. Who was your Mrs. Robinson? Was it an older uh, woman? No, she was a, 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 like a third-year student. So she was 21, 22, kind of thing. Hmm. Um, How was she? So, yeah. She was very, she was very, very... We we only have the best actors in. in no, I know you do. I know you do. But it, there's there's. Did they cast an intentionally younger-looking Benjamin? Um, I mean, they just cast yeah. Wilf all the time. So. Yeah, uh, Wilf's a great actor. Um, but yeah, he didn't necessarily look much younger. I'd say Elaine, personally, played Elaine definitely looked younger. Um, okay. But um, but yeah, the the whole the way. The way the play works is that you've got the six characters from the two families, the two sets of parents and the two kids, and then all the other roles are played by the same person. Mm. So there's just a cast of seven. So mm. they can't really do all that sort of the, all the party stuff and that with only the one person playing all the... I remember my grammar and granddad went down to London to see it with Kathleen Turner, and this sort of instigated their hatred of straight plays uh, and because um, it's just a bunch of doors, isn't it? The we, set design. I know that you it, might have varied it. Yeah, we we did have a door because yeah, Mr. Robinson breaks it down with an axe. Um, oh. Later on in the in the as a, yeah, in a, as a dream right, sequence at the wedding. Oh, at the wedding. No, this is at the wedding. But like in the film, where it looks like he's about to turn into the church scene from The Kingsman. Um, <laughs> Throwing Mr. Robinson with an axe. Here's <laughs> um, Robbie. Yeah, was... No, but the um, and I remember my grandpa had always said it would just, it would just all these doors, and they were just coming in and out of doors, and there was nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds more like one man, two governors, really. Yeah, she's, 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 she basically just didn't like the fact that there were no sets. I don't think she likes the concept of a mm. play. I... <laughs> I think it's it's less about doors. It's really down to the amount of tables you've got on stage. That's uh, key. You'll be pleased to hear. I think we might have had three tables. You know. Oh, there's a scene. Three is the best amount of tables. Takes Elaine to a strip club for days, and I think we might have had three tables. Um, I got to be in the background of that one. Who did you? So who were your other little roles then? That was it. It was Mr. Braddock, and then back. Ground attendee of, of the strip club with Did you Mr. Robinson also there. <laughs> um, possibly there was a definite hat, the sort of shady hat. Um, Pure yeah, it was quite quite fun. But we had um, instead of like beer, we had cold tea, which was scotch. Yeah, well, I don't know, maybe. But either way, <laughs> whatever we were drinking was cold tea, <laughs> and it just wasn't great. <laughs> And then one of the ASMs put like a ton of salt in it on the final evening, so you couldn't even drink it. It was very, very strange. I've never gone through all that. Those sort of pranks. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Mrs. Robinson.
Well. Well. Benjamin. Yes. I'll get undressed now. Is that all right? Sure. Shall I? I mean, shall I just stand here? I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Why don't you watch? Oh, sure. Thank you. Will you bring me a hanger? What? A hanger. Oh, yes. Oh, it's fun. Last night is great. It wasn't yeah, much but... fun. Yes, yeah, salt really. in a drink's not fun. Yeah, because we've been know. doing like downing drinks games and then ordering like other drinks, so it cost us like half of our background filling <laughs> sort of acting, really. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's the it's a fine line. Like I will throw a line in. Yeah. That because I think that's funny, and everybody can. It never it never halts anything. Oh, I, no. I cannot you never do anything stand. That would, yeah. Cannot stand. We, not to throw people names under buses, so I won't name names, but on our final night of Adam Assembly, there were a few gags and people broke and they stopped singing. Yeah. You can't do that. You don't no. start throwing things about if you can't take it. Um, you know, at, at such as on our final night of Footloose, previous guest, Sam Mandagomi. I think this came up on the Rocky Horror episode anyway, but me and Sam went for two minutes of additional dialogue that we would just make up on the spot and uh, not to blow any trumpets, but we did get an applause. Uh, but, because um, I knew, because me and Sam are very, very comfortable and we could, and we, and it, and we was absolutely fine. And there was no awkward halting. There was no like, <laughs> Uh, hey, you too. There was none of that, and there was no, there was no breaking. I can't stand breaking. I've never liked breaking. I went to watch Blood Brothers, and um, I think she's passed now, so I won't be too angry. But she, but the lady who played Mrs. Johnson, just started laughing, and she went, "Please, please, <laughs> well," and I thought, "You, Blood Brothers has been on for so long. This is." You do this show every day, <laughs> and it wasn't something new either, because I'd seen it. I know Blood Brothers by the back of my hand, really, and it wasn't something new. It was just the guy in his leather. It was the second act opening when the guy comes on in his leather jacket. Sammy, the brother, Sammy, Sammy, and um, yeah. Anyway, I can't, can't. Not a big breaking guy. Break. There is a break in this movie. Do we know? Do we know where it is? Uh, is it in the wedding? No, it's when Dustin goes and bangs his head against the wall. That's a very Dustin thing to do. Because yeah. the uh, grab of the breast was improvised, and then Anne Bancroft um, thought it'd be funnier if she just ignored him and started messing with the clothes, which she does. <laughs> and <laughs> that does nothing just couldn't he what he needed to laugh straight away and so he went and banged his head against the wall and um <laughs> and I, which led yeah no and then Anne Bancroft just continued with the lines and great yeah it's one of those a bit like Woody Allen really where you it, you subliminally don't notice that there's so many one take shots in the scene but when you look at the comedy and you look at the timing 
and you look at the performances and the writing, like the, the receptionist scene, that's just one static shot for a minute and a half or whatever it is. Mm. And it's like, you know, bring it full circle aside watching a stage play. It's just great comedy back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, Tom's really specific favorite parts of the film. I love the flash of Mrs. Robinson at the, at the party where we just see her. And she, she gives him an eye straight away. He didn't look like that before. I don't know why we, Mrs. Robinson voice is my Pauline Gap voice, but the, um, he didn't look like that before university. It's lovely. Um, the keys in the, keys in the fish tank. Yes. They're her own keys. I mean, I know she doesn't care about anything, but. They're kind of rust. <laughs> They're all soddy. The, my sneaky favorite line of the film, did you know I used to be an alcoholic? Did you? Um, so Jason Reitman, director of Up in the Air, one of my favourite films, uh, always makes me cry. And um, what else did Jason Reitman do? Juno, are you Juno? Where do we sit on Juno? I've never been a big Juno fan. I keep saying Juno. I've never seen it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's yeah, you're not exactly selling it here. You know? <laughs> Up in the Air, though, is excellent. I, I've always adored Up in the Air. Um, and also, young adults, great. And thank you for smoking's great. And he is apparently directing, whenever it comes out, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, which says is completed, not yet screened. Um, I saw the trailer. Yeah, well the, well, the trailer came out when it was supposed to come out in... Um, it doesn't say anymore when it should have been. Um, but uh, it should have been coming out this summer or whatever, or some one of those, you know, the, the year that time forgot and all that. Um, yeah, no, Jason Wrighton's great. And he does these staged readings uh, for charity and to raise funds for the film independent something or something. And basically he does about three a year and they're readings of, of, of plays and, sorry, screenplays and he gets these all-star casts. And the all-star cast for The Graduate was Sharon Stone as Mrs. Robinson, Jay Baruchel as Benjamin Braddock, and uh, Kevin Pollock as Mr. Robinson, and Mae Whitman as Elaine, which I just think is a stellar cast. Mainly, Mrs. mainly Sharon Stone and Kevin Pollock. Um, I mean, Sharon Stone is student incredible incredible actress I, I, i've always loved sharon stone basic instinct you know come on and casino incredible who did she lose to for casino i think it was emma thompson or something she's not <laughs> as good as sharon stone in casino um the nude flashes there's the way that that's edited presented mm -hmm. the dryness of don't be afraid. I'm offering myself to you sexually. If you don't want it now, you can have it any time. <laughs> Just says, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I have, I've never paused it, so I, I, but I presume it's covered. The, the nipples are covered because it's, the, because it's 67. But um, just those brilliant, and the tan line. What a, an excellent little choice. 
Um, my my favourite gag in the entire film. Do we know what it is? It's during the reception scene. Is it uh, him tapping the bell, stopping the bell from being tapped? Mm. That's a close oh, second. I love that. Is it is it the 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 like the register card? It's him writing down his own <laughs> name. Yes. It, it, it's the speed at which he whips it away as well. He's like <laughs> and just carries on. Yeah. It's brilliant. And it you know really what is. you know what else is great? We don't need a close up. In Ghost, they have the same gag. I mean, Ghost is a bit more of a broader comedic film, <laughs> and Whoopi Goldberg's performance is a bit broader. But they do the same gag where she writes down Ode May Brown instead of Rita Miller. And Patrick Swayze goes, no, I'm a ghost. I mean, he doesn't say I'm a ghost, but he goes, no, whoopee. Or he doesn't call her whoopee. But he goes, no. And then she goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. And she rips it up and we see that it was Oda May. But we don't need to see it. It's just, whoop. And then the way that Buck Henry says, Mr. Gladstone. And it's and he knows. He, d- he doesn't know, but he does know. That's pretty stuff. Uh, toot not lying. Toot not lying? Oh, my second, no, never mind the bell. My second favourite gag is when we hear him brush his teeth and we find out that he wasn't lying about the toothbrush. About the toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Because you think he's lying because he's like, no, I just just have a toothbrush. And then when you find out he's not lying about the toothbrush, I I also love when he's setting all the lights and then she just, it's just gag after gag after brilliant. The smoking, where she has to... Uh, just, it's a flawless, flawless film. Um, some people call it the impossible cut, where he's jumping onto the sunbed, and in turn, um, let's say, concluding his uh, activity with uh, Mrs. Robinson, <laughs> and um, they flop. Uh, maybe the best cut? I always go to that as my favourite cut in any film, I I mean, obviously, you've got your Lawrence of Arabia, the <sighs> cut to the desert, but um, I'm going to have to go for the impossible cut. Mm. Unpressing. Oh, undressing. The undressing after the art scene. Uh, just that flat, static shot, and it holds for far too long, but it's perfect and on the same. As cruel as it is, and I've never liked, I mean, I do like it and I wouldn't change it and I get why it does it, but just the cruelness of the going to the strip club scene and the, but I do like the line, you're missing a great effect here. (laughs) Um, I think I'm this guy called Gladstone. Hello, Mr. Brennan. Um, There's a, there's a, isn't there a bar at the Taft Hotel? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, there is. I mean, no. Uh, I can see in the dark. I've been here for quite some time. And then mm-hmm. um, at the my final favorite specific favorite part is any gas, father. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> sneaky, excellent. Part. Will's more general favorite part. Um, I love uh, just before um, she's about to seduce him in that very like the opening bit. Um, there's like the twinkle in the music just before the music kicks in. I think that's mm-hmm. quite nice. Uh, I like a twinkle. Yeah. That's my quiz. Is it? It's called Sun Porch Cha Cha Cha. As Nathan alluded to, the shop is um, through her legs. Yeah, the plan is a classic. Yeah. And you got tiny little Dustin. I mean, he's very small anyway, but he's more than just there. I like uh, when he can't get the attention of the waiter. Um, Yes. 
And then she just goes, uh, oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, and when he's whistling to Mrs. Robinson, yeah. it's just, it's just so awesome. He, and he it's walks in on Mr. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. That, oh, that, that little bit is great. Yeah. Why, why, doesn't, why wasn't Murray Hamilton in more? He's great in Jaws. He's great in this. He's great in the Twilight Zone episode he's in. When did he die? I hope it's not a sad thing. He died in 86. So, but there is, there's time for him to be in more. Oh. Oh, is it, oh, Seconds. Oh, that's the other one. Seconds, he's also excellent. The wonderful Rock Hudson movie. And he's great in Jaws too. Murray Hamilton. I, 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 sad, sad. I mean, it's sad when anybody dies. But I wish, I wish he was in more. I'm a big Murray Hamilton fan. This is why Spielberg cast him as the Mary Jaws because he always uh, remembers the excellence of this of his one scene. Oh, oh, very I, good. I thought I read something on IMDb earlier, but I think it was about Mr. Robinson. Mm -hmm. And initially, they were going to cast someone else. Someone, someone that yes, I'll get. I'll um, do it now. Gene Hackman. And yes, they shot. Uh, they shot with him for a week, and Mike Nichols came up to him and said. I don't think it's working, Gene. And yeah, they were friends. And I've worked again since in the wonderful Birdcage, as I alluded to earlier. Um, and he went on to uh, starring um, Bonnie and Clyde. And he uh, got nominated for his Oscar, which yeah. leads us beautifully into Oscar oh, Travesty. Oh, very well done. How very nice. Uh, as alluded to before, this won Nichols, his director, his only director uh, win. You know, I'd give it him any year, but anyway. Didn't win Best Picture. In the Heat of the Night. So, In the Heat of the Night is a fine film. Um, very important um, in, in its, you know, race politics and uh, Sidney Poitier's performance. But it's just not as good as The Graduate. It just, I, I, it just isn't as good as The Graduate. Um, your other nomination is probably Bon. bon I mean, it was a nomination, obviously, uh, but probably second for me would be Bonnie and Clyde. But still, it's just not as good as Graduate. Performance-wise, so Catherine Hepburn. Um, some people think that she got this award because her husband Spencer had just died. Mm. Some people think it was a bit of a sympathy vote. I don't think it's fully a sympathy vote. I think she's excellent in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. But, again, she's not as good as Anne Bancroft in The Graduate, as we talked about earlier with the art scene. You know, the, multi the multiple dimensions to this performance, I, I think are greatly, greatly, greatly underrated. I, I, I always have. Um, who are we putting up? Who are we putting up for best actor? Do we think Hoffman's the winner, or would we do this is, Newman? This is instead? the funniest I've seen, Dustin. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's a very difficult role, I think, as well. Actually, mm. yeah, because um, he's such an uh, like unusual character, isn't he, mm. Benjamin? And you, you've got yeah, you've got to believe that he's you know attractive enough and alluring enough to start this affair. You've got to believe that he's not, he's semi foolish. You've got to believe that he's he's you've got to believe that he's charming, romantic, and attractive enough for a girl 
to stay with him and go back to him after she finds out he had an affair with her mother. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which you do believe incredibly. Um, yeah. Speaking of that wonderful uh, woman, it's Catherine Ross. Um, I don't think, I don't think she deserves to win the Best Supporting Actress, but I definitely uh, agree with her nomination. I think she's marvellous. Back to Murray Hamilton. Where's his nomination? Come on, sort it out. What's happening there? I mean, I love George Kennedy. I'm, you know, nobody's going to begrudge the naked gun. But come on, get it, get it in there. Uh, it did win Best Screenplay, which is an absolute, which is for me the biggest Oscar travesty here, really. Um, in the Heat of the Night, as I've said, is a fine film. The script is nowhere near its best part of it. Um, the Graduate is one of, hands down, the funniest scripts of all time. Mm-hmm. One of the best scripts of all time. End of story. We talked about, um, you know, the the lack of original song uh, nomination. I mean, that's just simply because it couldn't, uh, it didn't get the best uh, cinematography. Again, I think that it's better shot than Bunny and Yeah, Bunny. it's got a lot of good camera work. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't know why this wasn't a sweep, really. I mean, I, it's a turn. It's a turning point. In the heat of the night, as much as it's racially progressive and modern, isn't cinematically modern, and we can't neglect the fact of how modern this must have felt in nineteen sixty-seven. Mm. Camera work, the the yeah, no, I, of the writing. I didn't realise it was from the sixties. That's Mm. When did you position this in your head? Um, I put it in the 70s, the late 70s. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Will's favourite building on set? You've got some lovely California locations, Will. It's, I mean, it's the bar where she tries to seduce him. That, I mean, I love a bar. Uh, I, I, mean, I, I think we've had this discussion, haven't we, we about what we want Godfather in our houses? Part, Godfather yeah. Part 2 with that marvelous I want a bar. carousel that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Bar, pool, bar, pool, tennis court, home cinema, and enough, <laughs> and, and enough shelving for all my DVDs and books. And I don't okay. want piles. Well, no, nobody wants piles. But, uh, I don't <laughs> want those kind of piles. <laughs> yeah, I don't want just straight piles everywhere. They're my, they're, that's what I want. I want a pool, a tennis court, a home cinema, a bar, and lots of shelving. No, you don't ask for much. <laughs> no, I don't. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the shelving. That's a nice way to. I think yeah. I can achieve the shelving. <laughs> <laughs> um, best single minute. We sort of touched on a lot of these already. I'll, I'll throw mm. some nominations that we've missed out. Um, the credits on their own, the, the yeah, flight, the title the, sequence, yeah, the yeah, wonderful sound of silence. Obviously, uh, we, let's talk about Simon and Garfunkel a bit more. What's our where do we sit? I mean, I'm a huge Simon and Garfunkel oh, fan. I, I love. Simon. I know that Will does. Are you a big Simon and Garfunkel uh, fan, Nathan? Yeah, I do love a lot of their stuff. Marvelous. So let's talk about best songs then. Will um, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Nathan. I, would, I know it's a bit basic, but I would have to go for the sound of silence. It is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if hmm. I'd probably yeah. always yeah. go America. I, yeah. I think America is beautiful, sweeping, romantic, elegant. One of the best songs ever written. Um, 
but I also love Mrs. Robinson. Mrs. Robinson is one of those songs that I always, it does, I say it creeps up on me, but like when it's on, you just go, oh yeah, why isn't this, <laughs> why isn't this my favourite Simon Garfunkel song? It's just a great, and it's more than just a catchy pop hit, I think it's a lot more. Um, if we're talking sort of deeper cuts, I'm a big fan of Wednesday morning 3am. I don't know if the boxer is a deep cut, but I love it. I was going to say I was a big fan, big fan of the boxer. Uh, Richard Corey. Uh, I always liked At the Zoo. I really, really liked yeah. the song At the Zoo. And the monkeys stand for <laughs> liberty. Giraffes are insincere. Um, <laughs> which lead, bookends is my favourite song up Uncle Alvin. It's just absolutely flawless. That's great. Um, old friends. Hazy Shed of Winter. That's a great album. But it's also got Mrs. Robinson and it's also got yeah. Some, yeah, no, it's great. I always my comment is always that Bookends plays like a greatest hits. It's, uh, and Mark. and you famously love a bookend. I did write a play, yes, called Bookends. Um I think it's one of the best things I've written. Um okay. you've never read it well, so you can't pass comment. <laughs> I haven't read it. <laughs> So there you go. If you if you read it, Will's Will's rather egotistical. He'll only read something if there's a part for him. Um, <laughs> this is true, is it not? It's very true. There we go. What's the change? Oh, sorry. Best line. How can we neglect? Whoa. Can we neglect this category here? Um, let's do a round robin. So, Tom, Will, Nathan, Mrs. Robinson. If you don't mind me saying so, this conversation is getting a little strange. Is that your line? Yes, I okay. will. <laughs> um, are you here for an affair, sir? What? The signal party, sir. Ah, yes, the signal party. I like that. Nathan? That sounds kind of half-baked. No, it's completely baked. It's a decision that I've made. <laughs> Elaine, it's too late. Not for me! <laughs> I always like that. <laughs> I, I think it's emblematic of the themes of the film. Will? Uh, do you find me undesirable? Oh no, Mrs. Robinson, I think you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. It's <laughs> great. That's a great one. Uh, oh, I, can't remember, I can't remember the exact line before, but when he's he's like, um, so why did you spend, you know, three years at college and all that money? Beats me. Yeah. <laughs> you it's got so me. true. You got me, that's it, you got me. Uh, Benjamin? Yes? Isn't there something you want to tell me? Tell you? Yes. Well, I want you to know how much I appreciate this, really. <laughs> The number. What? The room number, Benjamin. I think you want to know the room number. <laughs> That's great. Um, well. <coughs> um, that's a good place to stop. Okay. Uh, any other Nathan? Uh, oh, I, I had one. Um, it's gone. Um, what makes you think she wants to marry you? Oh, she doesn't, to be perfectly honest. She doesn't like me. Uh, I like that one. Two more. Uh, do you um? Uh, do you want to tell me why you did it, Mr. Robinson? Do you have a special <laughs> grudge against me? Do you feel a particular strong resentment? Is there something I've said that's caused you this contempt, or is it things that I stand for that you despise? And uh, my final nomination would be: You go to hell. You go straight to hell, Mrs. Robinson. Do you think I'm proud of myself? Do you think I'm proud of this? I wouldn't know. Well, I am not. No, sir. I am not proud that I spend my time with a broken-down alcoholic. I see. That's my favourite part. I see the pain in plastics. That's oh, the last Plastics. 
Are you listening? Mr. Maguire. Which is Mr. Robinson in the play. Interesting. Oh. Ah. So Wait, no, as in it's a double role or it's the it's actual. No, it's Mr. actually Robinson. it's a given to the character. In peculiar indeed. What's left from Will's notes? Uh, what is left from Will's notes? Um, uh, oh yeah, the the whole um, that that we neglected to talk about the scene where um, it's the raining, and she gets in the car and he's like, "I'm going on a date with Elaine," and then she's like, "I'm going to ruin your life," and then yeah, he's got to go and see. And, oh, we just have to explain. He just needs one look. Uh, oh, it's so good. Flawless. And the outer focus. Yeah, the outer focus on uh, Elaine into yeah. the focus. Just, just sensational, sensational stuff. Um, anything else, Will? Anything left no. in your notes, uh, Sw- Nathan? It was the swimming pool scene. Isn't that yes, the scooper. Yes. yes. And we haven't touched <laughs> on that one. And the fact that it is completely replicated in the B movie. <laughs> and they came to mind. Uh, do you know, it, the bit when he's lying on the pool. And he's, what's, what's the character's name in the B? It's like. Barry B. Benson. Yeah. yeah well, it's basically Benjamin. And they're like, what, 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 <laughs> you, what, what you the B movie? It is. It is the, you think about the plot of the. Oh my God. The B yeah. movie is The Graduate. The, the B movie is The Graduate. Have you not noticed that before? <laughs> Well, he does want to have sex with Renee Zellweger, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. This is great. um, I want a scene, I want a scene where, what's his name? The guy who voices Kronk. Uh, Oh, oh, uh, Patrick um, Warburton. Yeah. I want to see where Patrick Warburton does the Mr. Robinson scene. (laughs) Do you neglect? I can't do Patrick Robinson. Uh, But I want to, I want that, I want that full scene. I'm allowed one thing before I die. (laughs) He's part of the best part of that film. Mrs. Robinson, you lie there and tell me I'm not good enough for your daughter. Did I say that? In so many words. Benjamin, I want to apologize to you. That's the impression you got. Well, two minutes ago you told me I wasn't good enough for your daughter. Now you say you're sorry I got that impression. I didn't mean it. I don't think you'd be right for each other. But I would never say you aren't as good a person as she is. You wouldn't? Of course I wouldn't. What are you doing? Well, it's pretty obvious you don't want me around anymore. Well, look, uh, I was kind of upset there. I'm sorry I said those things. It's all right. I think I can understand why I'm disgusting to you. Oh, no. Look, I like you. I wouldn't keep coming here if I didn't like you. But if it's sickening for you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Richard Dreyfus cameo. It's not a cameo. Yeah. It's his first role. <laughs> Wonderful. We love Richard Dreyfus. Alternate ending corner. There isn't one. The, uh, the, the play has a different ending. Oh. Shoot. Tell us. Um, don't know why you so they run away to a motel, Ben and Elaine, on the bed, and they're sort of, you know, going to consummate their 
relationship and um, he doesn't really have the first clue what to do with her and she says that and she points it out and so they don't consummate the relationship they don't have any of the sexy times um, they instead separate Cheerios into the different types of Cheerio and that's like how the play get ends out. yeah but that's how the play ends with them just sorting <laughs> Cheerios oh okay well, I'm pretty sure which ending I prefer. Uh, it's it's quite nice. I mean, there's more to the scene than that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. nice. Again, there's a sort of a bit of ambiguity to it and yeah. uncertainty as to where the relationship goes from there kind of thing. It's quite. It's quite I think nice it's just saying out loud what you can infer from those looks. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that is, Maybe it's harder to present on a stage when you're not so close to their faces and you yeah. can't see every minute detail. Facial expressions. Yeah. But, uh, hmm. what can I say? But there we go. Throw that, throw that one in there anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. When Dustin Hoffman showed up at producer Joseph E. Levine's office for a casting interview, Levine mistook him for a window cleaner. So Hoffman, in character, cleaned a window. In character as who? A window cleaner? It's a noble profession. Here you go, Dustin Hoffman was already set to play a role in Mel Brooks's The Producers in 1967. Oh. He was supposed to play uh, Franz Liebkind uh, when the opportunity to audition for this movie came up. Deferentially, Hoffman asked Brooks's permission to audition for the part in the other film. Uh, so Hoffman was cast and Brooks was uh, quite annoyed. And uh, he was sort of confident that Hoffman would be unsuitable for the role. Uh, and he eventually got it, and he was a bit angry, but uh, somebody calmed him down. Do you know who calmed him down? Gene Wilder. No, his wife. Oh. Anne Bancroft. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft, oh. one of my favourite celebrity couples. Oh. Just, I, I have watched the montage of them. There's a montage called, I think I can't remember what it's called. It's just about Mel. Type in Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft and you'll find it. And I've watched that just too many times. Uh, I just, I've always adored them. Uh, and there's, there's faith, faith for the quietly ugly funny guy that, he, that they can get her back and Bancroft. According to Dustin Hoffman at New York University's Tisch of the School's graduation, his friend and former roommate, uh, Gene Hackman, was cast as Mr. Robinson. 
However, Hackman was fired after the first week of rehearsals. Nichols decided he was too young for the role. In actuality, he was only a year older than Anne Bancroft, um, who was playing his wife, but for whatever reason, it wasn't working. Uh, in his review, Roger Ebert called the songs by Sam Lingard from called Unmemorable. He joked about it years later. Um, so, do you know the Mrs. Roosevelt story? No. So uh, they needed another song for the film, and Paul Simon said, and Paul Simon started playing uh, Mike Nichols this song, Mrs. Roosevelt. Um, and he said, there, we'll use it. Call it Mrs. Robinson, we'll have it. Uh, and that's how one of <laughs> Paul Simon's greatest songs ever was made. Uh, so that's why it's all the lyrics to the president and, you know, all that stuff. Sources vary on precisely what the truth is about the possibility of Doris Day playing Mrs. Robinson. One rumour says the property was acquired with her in mind as Mrs. Robinson and that Lawrence Truman, the uh, Terman, the producer, sent the novel to her manager and husband, Martin Melcher, wanting to know their opinion of Day in the role. But Melcher was so disgusted by the thought that he refused to even mention it. Doris Day wrote in her 1975 memoir, memoir, which is probably more accurate, that she was actually offered the role, but could not see... I, sorry, this is her talking. I could not see myself rolling around in the sheets with a young man half my age who I'm, who'd, whom I'd seduced. Sally Field was uh, screen-tested for the role of Elaine. Nice little alternate reality there. I, I mean, I think Catherine Ross is perfect. Uh, here's some uh, other considerations for Mrs. Robinson. Joan Crawford, Lauren Bacall. I can see Lauren Bacall. Angela Lansbury. I can't really see Angela Lansbury. No, no. <laughs> and uh, Audrey Hepburn, similarly very... I can see that. You can, can see, see Audrey Hepburn? More than yeah. Angela Lansbury. Yeah. You probably just ruined it with Angela and... <laughs> Anything is better. <laughs> no, Hepburn's far too... She's not sexy enough. Andrea Hepburn is one of the most beautiful women ever, but I don't think she has the... There's a specific... Uh, I mean, it's, a, you know, I, I, I just don't think I've ever... I mean, I've watched an abundance of Audrey Hepburn films, and I don't think I've ever seen the sexy, seductive vein that we have for Mrs. Robinson. I think it's always... She's always got... No matter what the film, she's always got the air of the Roman holiday princess about her. She, ne I don't think she's ever. I don't think. I, I don't think I could. I mean, I would believe her seducing anybody who, who's going to turn down Audrey Hepburn, but I don't think I could believe her with the lines in this film. That's just me. When the film was screen tested, uh, sorry, first released in Portugal, it was cut uh, to end with Ben behind the glass at the church watching Elaine getting married. The ruling military oh, no. regime at the time did this to preserve Catholic doctrine. <laughs> How bizarre. What a, that's an odd ending. It just ends with him watching them kiss and then that's it. Uh, did you know that in the book, um, the book ends... Like um, a wicker. Elaine! My famous impression of Catherine Ross's scream. Um, but the book ends, he stops them before they say I do. Um, whereas obviously in the film, they're married. 
and you know it's too late mm. which do we and and that's a lot bleaker i like it that they're already I like married it. i like it yeah because uh, now they have to go through a divorce procedure that's two affairs he's had mm, what a dog uh tom's big question do ben and elaine stay together i think no yeah i'm gonna agree with you there that's why the ending works and they're yeah. not just bored <laughs> <laughs> um, why did Mrs. Robinson pick Ben? I think she liked his vulnerability, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's Dustin Hoffman as well. He, yeah, you know, he's supposed to be. A, a <laughs> yeah, no, he looks good in the film. He's a handsome yeah. guy. He's got. He's, he's a bit yeah. young. He's a bit, he scrubs up. He scrubs up. He's a bit turned very, on that. Very sort of successful in terms of you know, he's done a good degree mm. or whatever, and nice car. Uh, yeah. Is there any world where Elaine stays with Ben after finding out about Mrs. Robinson? No. Maybe. Is there any world where Elaine but lets just... Ben kiss her so soon after him taking her to a strip club? Uh, no. It, it's it's a sort of well, going back to like the the uh, Elaine and Mrs. Robinson conflict it's one of those things where if if it were to be ever resolved it would have to be like right we're gonna have to move away start a new life like family confrontations any of that it would mm. just be so awkward <laughs> yes it would definitely would be awkward um who believes the rape does anybody believe the rape or does everybody secretly know that it was a full-blown affair Does Mr. Robinson actually think... Well, Mr. Robinson's sort of approach to the whole thing is as if, yeah, as if it's happened before. Mm. This is in her nature. They don't really press charges or anything, do they? No, no. no. But also they've got... It's the 1967. Sorry, it's 1967. So you've got the angle of it would be a bit of a disgrace. Um... Hmm. Sort of angle. I don't think I anybody. Suppose, you know, Ben moves away, doesn't he? So, well, no, Elaine believes her, doesn't she? Until, yeah. until, yeah, but literally, all she has to hear is the truth for her to realise that it's a complete lie. Um, yeah, rough stuff. Synopsis of a sequel: There is the funny gag in the player uh, where Buck Henry has a cameo, and he uh, pictures a sequel to The Graduate, uh, where Ben and Elaine are living together and they have to start caring for Mrs. Robinson after she has a stroke. I don't know what a sequel to The Graduate would look like. Um, there is the book, Night School, um, which um, I, I own, but I haven't read yet. Uh, and it oddly has a very similar premise to the joke in the player. So I don't know whether Charles Webb was conscious of that. Who knows? Um, and so we end The Graduate. Nathan, any final thoughts on this seminal film? Fantastic <laughs> film, really, isn't it? It's a timeless piece of cinematography. Will, you've yeah. sort of alluded to your final thought being that you're going to change your ranking. So currently... Oh, well, not, not my top ten. Oh, okay. It's, uh, I mean, I don't... I think it's currently my top 50. It's definitely going to be in my top 30. 
You've got your own top 50. Have you written I've everything out? I've got a out? top 250. Well, I've got Flickchart. Oh, yes, your Flickchart, of course. Yes, of course, yes. Who showed you Flickchart, Will? You did. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Um, well, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you don't need to thank me, Will. You're, you're here every day. <laughs> Actually, Nathan doesn't need to thank me, but you've no obligation. <laughs> yeah, don't invite me back. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber again. Oh, we love him. We love him. Do love him. He's great. Oh, yeah. And listen listen to that, Tom, after this. Listen to... Uh, bad Cinderella and yeah. Bad Cinderella. <laughs> just sounds bad. I'll send you the link. Even talking about it. Right. Uh, the Graduate. <laughs>